Rot to righteousness tends to be long So keep your love on, on Welcome to the Get Your Love On podcast. This show is dedicated to the family of faith around the globe. In each episode, we punt phony religion and we learn how to simply walk with God every day. It's straightforward and it's straight from the word. We have free resources for you at getyourloveon.org that includes free Bible studies and videos to answer your questions and build your faith. And of course, we'd love to hear from you. You can always reach out and contact us at getyourloveon.org. We have an amazing episode for you, so let's go. Keep your love on, child. Let it shine bright. Today's show starts with the shofar. Now, if you're not familiar with the shofar, it's a ram's horn and was used throughout biblical times in very significant ways, most significantly to call attention to the armies of the Lord and go to battle. Nehemiah 4.20 says, In what place, therefore, you hear the sound of the trumpet? Resort ye thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. So you're going to hear that incredible shout for battle, that sound for battle at the very beginning of this show. And then as I'm sure you've noticed, we're in very unique times. And as you'll hear our minister, Trish, outline in beautiful detail. And it's such a blessing to know how to navigate these times and keeping our eyes on the Lord ensure victory in our lives, and of course, also as a testimony to the power of God Almighty. call the battle. Did you see it, Steve? I know you felt that. <laughs> wow. Yep. Holy mackerel. The front line was so huge, their heads hit the ceiling. They came walking in and there were all manner of them, all manner of warriors. This is war. We're in it. Now, there are times, this is a dispensation like we've never seen on the face of the earth. And it is global. Has anybody picked up on that? Everybody in the room. This is global. This is unlike any other time. There was a time like that before in history. It was when the Lord himself, the Son of God, came here. He came here. And he changed everything. How comfortable do you think it was for people that loved him and were under the law and did all of the things that they were supposed to do with all their heart? They hung on to it with every fiber 
and fought all their lives to do it right because this is how it was lined out for them to do it. And all of a sudden, here comes this guy and saying, okay, we're going to do away with all of that. How, do, how well do you think that, what do you think that felt like? Oh, man, that's why they were the way they were. But the sheep, the true sheep, and the souls out there, the, the Greeks out there, the, the Gentiles out there, God said, I'm doing away with the, all of it. I'm going to bring it to everybody now. Jesus came for the Jews. They couldn't handle the change. So he said, okay, come on, Paul. We're going to take it to the Gentiles now. So now, uh, this new thing came when Jesus arrived. And when he was 30 years old, his ministry was launched. It was hot. It was heavy. It was passionate. It was filled with power and authority from God Almighty. And those that had the ears to hear, they came forward. And those that didn't, they went the other direction. So how do you think it felt for all of a sudden these people are getting freed? They're seeing the Messiah. They're handling him. They're listening to him. They love him. They passionately love him. How do you think it felt for them feeling and tasting all that victory, seeing all of these miracles, watching him be crucified? How do you think that felt? They existed here on this earth. It happened. Now, what I want you to do, I want you to think about that. Put yourself in that time, in that space, in their shoes. And I want you to go on a journey with this song. Just go there.
want you to remember something. Let it sink in. They lived out. Everything seemed lost. Everything seemed to be utter disaster. But did God stop? No. They woke up one morning and it all changed. They went from weeping to rejoicing. The most incredible thing happened. Remember, God is still God. Regardless of what happens at any time in your life, stand fast and know God is God and there's victory. There is victory at the end. What a shout. What a feeling. They didn't know what was coming, and there it was. The Lord tried to tell them beforehand, but I'm sure it didn't feel very comfortable. And yet, there it was. There it was. He was back. And it just progressed from then. You know what God did in all of that. And he spent 40 days with them and built them up. Now, what I'm going to do is you're going to see throughout the process of time and during the journey that each individual on the face of the earth now, they go through a journey. And there's ups and there's downs, there's high points, there's opposition, there's trials, there's tribulation, because it's a mixed crowd here. There's a war going on here between good and evil. And it's a constant, ongoing, vigilant battle. So I'm going to, I went in and I said, Lord, who is a really good example of how to position yourself for the battle when you're in the heat of it, when everything is coming against you and you're up against that brick wall? What do you do? Well, I'm going to go to King David. Now, he went through it. And I love King David uh, because when I was, I've had journeys like this in my life where there were just ones literally that were virtually wanting to kill me. Literally. And I would get through a day having to go out and get to a quiet place before the Lord, and I would literally read Psalms from the beginning to the end through that day, to get through the day. Because David knew how to do it. And that would give me the strength to go another day. It would give me the strength to go another day. And God did deliver me out of that situation. He did gloriously do it. But in the interim, when I was going through it, how did I survive it? How did I navigate through it? 
King David was a wonderful example. So uh, it would be really good for anyone that hasn't done it yet, read 1 Samuel. Because the story of David, it's quite an amazing story. It's the most fascinating story of how he even came to be. And how Samuel even came to be was an absolute incredible miracle. Because the, the light of Israel, the guidance for the people of God, was going dim in Eli. It was going dim. And he was falling by the wayside. And he was succumbing by the influence succumbing to the influences around him, and God needed to raise a new light. And he did it with Samuel. And Samuel was that light that led Israel all the days of his life. He was given for that purpose, and he fulfilled that office beautifully under the anointing of God. Now, Samuel was a light and guide for the people. So I'm going to give a little background in history so you know where David's at in the dispensation that we're going to talk about. Why he's in the position he's in and how dire it actually was. So Samuel was that light. And when he became old, the people cried out for another king. They're going, well, you're going to die soon. We need another king. We need, some, we need a king king. You know, you've led us, but, you know, we're, we're, we want to have a king. So God told Samuel to go ahead and give him a king. Now, you can read all the ins and outs and interactions of this. I'm going to just bullet point it. But it's a fascinating journey and one well worth taking and becoming familiar with how God moves and how he works and how he talks through his anointed vessels and the heart and purpose of God in everything. It's a wonderful um, lesson. So God told Samuel, Samuel, all of a sudden they're going, they don't want me now. I don't care if I'm old, they don't want me now. And God told Samuel, go ahead and give him a king, give the people a king. And he said, don't take it personally. God told, literally told Samuel, don't take it personally. They didn't reject you, they've rejected me. They've rejected me. But before you give them this king, you let them know what they're going to be getting. Yeah. You go ahead and you verse them. You get this guy in. He's going to do this to this country. He's going to do that to this nation. He's going to do this to the people. He's going to do that. And Samuel did. He read it out, lined it all out. You want this guy? This is what he's going to do. And then it's fine. You want him? You got him. So Samuel did. He um, got somebody that looked really good. He was a head and shoulders taller than every person out there. Quite a statuous looking guy. And he's, well, there's your king. You know, it took... Uh, because the people cried for that king, he had a certain makeup, a worldly makeup. And he may have been just, you know, fine at first until he got all the power that that position allotted him. And it took about two years and he became power hungry and corrupted. He ruled and reigned for a long time. I mean, the people, they got 
Salt rubbed in their wounds for quite a while under this one. Because everything that Samuel said, he did. It came to pass. Now remember, times and dispensations, they change according to the period of God uh, and movement of God. Some things happen very quickly. Some things happen over time. You know, it's God's call. I'm noticing that things are moving pretty quickly in the realm that we're in right now. So just keep your prayers going steadfast. So anyway, Saul was anointed king and it took about two years and he became very power hungry and corrupted. He, in other words, he could be bought off with a bribe very easily. So sure enough, over time, he did. He went out and God gave him certain specific instruction. You go and you do this and you do it this way. And Saul didn't do it. He didn't listen. And it displeased God. And at that point, God said, that's it. I'm wrenching the kingdom out of your hand. I'm taking my anointing and my approval off of you. And uh-uh. Uh-uh. I've seen regimes that, you know, had good intentions at one time, but they became very corrupted and different things, elements moved in, and they weren't even the same um, group that they were at one time. They'd been altered. They'd been corrupted. They'd been moved from their original base. I have seen that with groups and organizations, and especially when they're given a certain power. And then they could be manipulated by worldly entities and worldly forces. Well, this is what happened to Saul. So this time, God says, okay, he, he pissed God off. He says, I'm wrenching the kingdom from you. I gave it to you. You had your opportunity. You really blew it. Look at what you've done. There was peace, but there's not peace now. So he says, I'm removing my anointing from you. And this time... God picked the king. God picked him because he looked at the heart. He looked at the heart. And it wasn't necessarily anything anybody would have thought. And when the prophet Samuel said, okay, God says, okay, I'm going to pick him now. I'm going to go through the land and I'm going to find someone who has the right heart that can't be corrupted. And I'm, I'm in the word here. And I'm telling the story of Saul and David. Read the whole thing through. I'm just putting it in bullet points. But do remember, history does repeat itself. So no human nature, understand it. And don't be offended at God by how things change and move in your life. It's going to go through a process. So this time God picked the king. And it's estimated, and I've read different ones. Some people figure David was around 15 years old when this happened. Some figured he was around 20. I've even heard one saying he was 12. So he was very young when Samuel came. He came to this father. He says, go to this man's house. I'm going to pick him out of one of his sons. And he had this quite a few sons, and he brought all the strapping old adult sons, more towards an adult age than a child's age that they considered in that time. So he paraded these sons and God says, no, 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 no. 
those aren't the ones I want. And Samuel looks at the man and he says, looks at Jesse, I believe it was Jesse. Yep. And he looks at him and he says, do you have any other sons? Again, I encourage you to read the whole story. Get into the word and read it. So he said, yeah, yeah, he's out in the field. He's just a youth. He's out in the field. Just because he was referred to as a ruddy youth, it just means that he was young in age. Didn't mean he wasn't powerful. But anyway, so they went and got him. He was out tending the sheep. Takes a certain makeup and a certain heart to tend sheep. You have to be very protective and nurturing over them. So he came in and God said, that's the one. And boy, those other brothers, they're kind of going, what? Oh, pick him? Oh, but that's the one God appointed. So he anointed him. And when he, uh, Samuel poured that oil on him, he was anointed right then, right there in God's eyes. But not necessarily in how things were playing out in the natural realm. Remember, we're in a fallen realm. And everything moves slowly here. But when you, I want you to remember, when you pray, you set things in motion at that moment. And then from that moment, God takes it and it plays out. Just like that host came into the room here, a heavenly host in the spirit. They were waiting for their charge. When you give them commandment from, by the Holy Ghost, by God, you send them out to do a job, they go out and do it. So I want you all to be very active in your prayer life, very busy, and inquiring of God how to be the most effective prayer warrior you ever, ever have ever been. And he will show you how to do it. And there will be more teaching on that, you know, and we have had teaching on that. But what I'm going to do right now is how to steady your feet. How to prepare your mind and heart and soul to go forward when things are looking the worst. Just like it was at one time when Jesus was crucified, it looked the worst. What are we going to do? And for King David here, right here. So God anointed him right then and there. And like I said, he was very young. And after he was anointed, the Spirit of God was upon him from that day forward. And I, that is scriptural. Everything I'm giving you bullet points, but you will find it when you read 1 Samuel. And the Spirit of God was upon him from that day forward. It never left him. It was upon him from that day forward. Because in that time, in that dispensation, the Lord hadn't come yet. And the Spirit of God then would be upon people. And instead of dwelling in them like that does today. So David was highly, highly anointed. And from that minute on, God began to shape and train him for the job that he was anointed to take up. So there was a process going on here. But from that moment, God saw him as the king, even though Saul uh, reigned for quite a long time. All right, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. When, when God rejected him, the Spirit of the Lord departed from him. Now, this is very significant. That's why you want to stay in step and in tune with the Lord, and you don't want to displease him. Because God has that ability to give his spirit, and he's also got that ability to remove his hand. And he removed it from Saul. 
and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. He just allowed that evil spirit to come in and trouble him from that moment forward. So Saul, you know, the people saw we got to do something to calm this down because they couldn't have him just going off like that. So they said, um, let's go get David now. Remember, the, the anointing is on David, and David knew how to play his harp with such an anointing that music would settle Saul and that evil spirit would leave. So David was called into the king, king Saul's courts. This was his first introduction to Saul. Saul didn't know what God had done. God did. So here he is introduced in, and he would play his harp, and David just loved that it would settle him, and he dearly loved David. At that point, he didn't see David as a, as a threat. He just saw him as a tool that he could use to make himself feel good. So he, he incorporated him into him, and he says, you'll be my, my um, shield bearer. You know, I'm going to incorporate you into my re regime here, and this is what, what you can do. So there was David in the courts with Saul, and Saul dearly loved him. So, because the Spirit of God had lifted off of Saul, that blessing and that covering wasn't there anymore, so guess what? His enemies began to rise up against him because they saw he was a lame duck. He was a lame duck. He had no power. Those spirits can sense it. They can tell. So in they come, the Philistines. And so the Philistines went to war with them. And the older, David's older brothers, now see, David was still quite young. And so um, the older brothers, they stayed to go to war with Saul. And David went back to take care of the sheep. Because eh, who's he? So he went back to take care of the sheep. He was a very obedient man. And, but again, God is with him. So when he's with those sheep, he learned some skills. When you walk with God one-on-one, -on -one, you are going to learn some skills. I would highly recommend you learn sharp, deep, discernment, knowing the changes of times and dispensations, knowing when you've got a Saul that the Spirit of God has altered and changed, knowing when things have shifted and moved from their original format. And now there's something different at play. Something has moved in and permeated it. I've seen regimes where, uh, you know, each side were different at one time, where now they've just merged together and been polluted. I, neither one is any good. I've seen times like that with groups of people and organizations and all the rest. Once something gets in there and starts infiltrating, I think we've seen that uh, for today, some examples for today or what's infiltrated some of the schools uh, infiltrated some cities. You've seen there's a mindset that's gotten in there 
that's altered what the original design was. And I'll just use those as a couple of examples. But this was happening back then. So Saul now hit the, there was a lame duck, the enemy of up. The brothers went to war with him. David went back with the sheep. But God didn't uh, leave David. He began to teach him. Just like today, he's teaching the people of God how to war. He's teaching the people of God to have a single mind towards him and put differences aside. Just get a beat on him, talk to him, look at him, stand on his word, and stay steadfast. Again, we're going to go to David and see how he did it. All right. So... David's out taking care of the sheep, and the dad says, you know, those brothers have been out there. Those men are fighting hard. I want you to take provision to them. David's father was obviously a very kind man and caring man, and he took provisions, so he took provisions to his brothers. And he goes out there with these provisions, and while he's out there, who's up on the big hill beaten his chest, but nine-foot-tall Philistine named Goliath. This great big demonic thing. Beating his chest and saying, I'm so powerful now. Look how big I am now. I'm going to come in and I'm going to annihilate you. And he threatened. He says, is anybody out there big enough to take me on? And he made all his threats. So read the story. And you'll see how he just snorted out all these threats and everything. And David heard this. And he's going, what the heck? And there the armies were knees knocking and shaking and trembling. And here comes this ruddy youth, few years older, wiser, exercised by God. He and the Lord got a relationship going and communication going. And he knows how the Lord is powerful. And he knows how to utilize that. So he heard Goliath. And then he goes up and he says, well, I'll take him on. I go, what? I pictured it looked ridiculous. Who the heck do you think you are? You don't have the credentials that everybody else has. Who do you think you are? So there he goes. And he says, well, I'm going to give you my credentials. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And he did. With his bare hands, he took the, they, he would come and attack the sheep. How dare they? They were under David's care. And a lion and a bear would come and, and he grabbed them by the beard with his bare hands and ripped the sheep out of his mouth and slew that offender. Now, what they did in the natural back then, they do in the spirit now. That David learned how to slam dead. He knew exactly what the power of God felt like with that anointing and what he was capable of doing when the spirit of God hit him and gave him that strength. And he says, I slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised, ungodly Philistine shall be as one of them. I'm going to do to him what he's just like I did to that barren lion. Yeah. Seeing he hath defied the armies of who? Saul? No. 
the armies of the living God. That's who he's fighting for. He's fighting for the armies of the living God. Get your focus where it needs to be always and in all things. Always and in all things. I don't care who God anoints. That's God's choosing. But when he anoints somebody, recognize it, know it, and stand there. That's what they needed to do then. Well, obviously they were smart enough and I guess they figured they had nothing to lose. He wants to give it a try. Let's let him give it a try. But you notice how the brothers, when you read the story, you're going to see the brothers, who do you think you are? You're in here trying to make an open show and you're boasting. And they thought he was a blowhard and a braggart. Blowhard and a braggart. Cocky and overconfident. Oh, I'm sure they called him all sorts of other things too and disparaged him on every turn because they were jealous of him, the brothers. The ones that were out so-called supposed to be winning the battle, but they weren't. They were shaking in their boots. They didn't know how to attack this thing, but he went in there absolutely unflinching and he knew exactly how to do it. He knew what he was gonna do. They tried to put their ways on him by putting uh, Saul's armor on him and equip him. Well, we'll give you the best shot we can. We'll give you all of our stuff that we know how to do. We'll put a shield on, give you a shield and a sword and all this other stuff. Their, their rhetoric, their ammunition, their ways. And David tried it on and he goes, this doesn't fit me. I, it, it's unproven. I haven't been trained in, with this stuff. He threw it off. He says, no, I'm going to go with what I know. I'm going to go what's proven out to me. That's what I'm going to stand on. And, and Goliath saw them sending this guy out with a sling and some stones. And he's going, what? Are you kidding me? And he began to mock him. Read the story. It's fascinating. Began to mock him. So he came at David and David looked at him. And he said, he, he told him, I'm going to, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to cut your head off and you're, I'm, you're going to throw your carcass out there. And he said, and all this assembly, see now here's what David stood on. All this assembly, all of them, shall know that the Lord saved not with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into my hand. That's what he told Goliath after Goliath laughed and mocked and snorted and threw all of his insults and uh, defamed him and everything else. His brothers did it first, then Goliath did it. Did it phase David? No. Why? Because the anointing of God was on him and he just kept coming, whether they thought he was a blowhard or not. He didn't care because what platform did he stand on? He says, the battle is the Lord's. Mm -hmm. We are God's people. That's what he's saying. This is the Lord's battle. And he's, he is who is going to give you into my hand. So he went and he flung that stone and it only took one stone. He had five. J-E-S-U-S. -S. 
Those are the five stones that he had. J-E-S-U-S. -S. And he took that chief stone, that chief cornerstone, he put it in his sling, and he just ran at that thing. And he flung it and hit him right square between the forehead and knocked him cold. And he went flat down on his face and he never stopped running. King David, he ran up, he grabbed the sword out of, from him and he slew him and he cut his head off and held it up. Can God do it? You better believe he can. So when Saul saw that, he's going, whoa. I want him because he knows how to battle. I want him. And so Saul right away got a hold of him and he says, I'm not going to let him go. And he set him over the men of war. He says, oh, I'm going to have, I can see that he's got some skills. I'm going to have him fight the battles for me and I'm going to put him over the, over the men. And David did. Once he was put in charge and he took those men out to battle, who was with them then? When David was in charge of those men for that period of time. He went out there and the men got to see, and we're going to hear about that later, they got to see how David handled them, how David governed over them and ruled over them, how David treated them and his mindset and the strategies. So what happened? Saul's going, oh, good. I've got a good one fighting for me. With Saul, it was all about him. With David, David's already established, this is the Lord's army. This is the Lord's war that we're fighting for God's people. So right away, the maidens came back after one great victory. The maidens came back and they had a little song that they sang. And they said, Saul killed, ten th killed a thousand and David tens of thousands. Well, that's when the worm turned. That is when Saul, all of, all of a sudden, saw David as a threat. What happens when a devil sees you as a threat? They turn and all the love that he had for them, for him, became equally as fierce against him and he saw it to kill him. That jealousy and that rage, and he saw that he was winning the support of the people and winning the hearts of the people. And right away, Saul goes, I'm, I'm going to kill him. And he, you know, he began throwing javelins at him and he determined he was going to kill him. And at that point, and this is where I'm going to take up because here's David, he's done no harm to anybody. He's fought gallantly for the people of God because he knew it was the Lord's people. He fought gallantly for them. And so now Saul had given David because he did promise his wife, his daughter to whoever killed Goliath, he did give his daughter to David to, as a wife and she heard in the courts, in her father's courts, that her dad was going to kill him. So she let him down out of a window. Here he is having to run for his life. And she let him down in a basket out a window. And he had to flee for his life. There's David running for his life. 
So here's David, and this is what I want to do here to lay down in you. When you are under attack, how do you position and prepare your soul? What do you do to set up your positioning and how do you prepare your soul? Now we're going to take a look at how King David did it in the Psalms. And I'm going to go to Psalms 57. There's many, many Psalms where he does this very thing, but this one uh, is the one that jumped out. So I'm going to go there and just write it down in you. Like I said, if you need to do battle, you're up against the wall and you know you're um, facing peril or difficult situations, no matter what it is, I don't care what comes upon the face of this earth, you do what David did. First thing he did is he went and hid. He ran into it and hid in a cave. Now Psalms 57 verse 1. This is the contemplation of David when he fled from Saul in the cave. That was the title that was in the scripture that I was reading. They put that at the top of this, uh, this chapter. So this is how he contemplated before God. And the first thing he said is, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me. Okay, now look at what he proclaims right here. God, please be merciful for me, for my soul trusteth in thee. It doesn't matter what he was facing. It doesn't matter how things looked. It doesn't matter if they were seeking to kill him. He says, my soul trusts in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. I'm going to hide. I'm going to tuck in. Now, this is a very bold, fierce warrior. He says, I'm going to tuck in. And I'm going to tuck in here because I trust you. And I'm going to stay hidden under your protective wing until these calamities be overpassed. So if calamities hit, tuck in with the Lord. Now over in Isaiah 26, starting in verse 20, or um, yeah, verse 20. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. Just tuck away for a moment. Now a moment to God is a dispensation of time, however long that is. So if anything hits, that might feel alarming, seem alarming by all outward appearances, because there's a lot going on out there in people's lives. There's a lot going on out there in the public arena. There's a lot going on out there around the world. But this advice that David, this, this pattern that David laid down, and this advice from Isaiah is a good one to take on when those calamities hit, and you know you need to just not be in the crosshairs. Just tuck away until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. There are times when the judgment of God falls and just tuck away. Don't be somewhere you're not supposed to be. 
tuck away. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. He said, when God reaches that point, he says, I have had it. Now you just get out of my way because I'm going to go and I'm going to clean house. I'm going to lay them flat. I'm coming. And when you hear that, just tuck away, stand with God, but don't get in his way. Settle in and go close your doors. Enter into your chambers and touch, shut your doors about thee. Stand fast. Now let's go back to David's cry. He said, I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. He says, God, you're going to have to win this one. They're looking to kill me. He's got armies out there. He's got spies out there looking to hunt me down, find me, and kill me. So hide me. Mm -hmm. You fight for me now, Lord. And he said, now here, here's David. He knows God. He knows what God is capable of doing. And this is a good thing to always remember, what God is actually capable of doing. And here he's telling, telling God what he's going to do. He says, unto God that performeth all things for me, he shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. He says, God's going to send from heaven and he's going to save me from anyone that would try and swallow me up. Where's David's confidence? So if you're up against it, where should you place your confidence? In anything you have the ability to do or what God has the ability to do? Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. That's the truth that's going to set you free. God's truth. Stand on that. My soul is among lions. Do you know we walk along, among lions right here? If you're on the face of this earth, you're walking among lions. And I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men, ungodly men, whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Ever have anybody come at you with uh, just this fierce rhetoric? Evil speech pouring out of them, deadly, vicious, venomous speech. It doesn't matter who their personage is. It's the spirit that's talking through them and taking over that vessel to utilize them. You can't go by outward appearance. You've got to know a thing by the spirit. That's why I say let your discernment go really deep. Deadly, 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 deadly. So what does, uh, see there's David. He's telling him this is what they're doing. This is what's coming at me. So once again, what does he do? Be thou exalted. Lord God, you be exalted. O God, above the heavens, let thy glory be above all the earth. He's calling all the way up above all the heavens. He's going past all of that. He's going right to where the throne is. David knew how to do that. And he says, you're above all these things of this earth. I'm going to just quote a few scriptures right now. I'm just going to read them real quickly. In Psalms 8, 1, it says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens, plural, way up there. 
I've seen it. I've seen it. Psalms 113.4, the Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Do you notice how it's, how it's David acknowledging this? He's way up over all of this. In Ephesians 4.10, it says, He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fulfill all things. Now that's speaking of when Jesus left the earth for the final time. And he ascended above all heavens, not some of them, not one or two of them. But he ascended above all the heavens, all of them. He had to cover all of them that he would fulfill all things. And you know where he went? He went and sat at the right hand of the Father in his throne. Mm -hmm. In Revelation 3, 21, it says, To him that overcometh, you have to overcome this world and everything pertaining to it. He that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and have sat down with my father in his throne. See, he ascended way above it all. He's in, in the throne where the father is. Now, I know there's many times when heaven is mentioned and it's mentioned as a dispensation of time and space. But remember, Jesus ascended above all of it and the heavens are God's footstool. It's under his feet. It's under his feet. All right, let's go back to verse six in Psalms 57. Here's David again. You see where he exalts God and, and um, validates his authority and his power. And then he's going back and he said, this again, this is what they're doing to me. They have prepared a net for my steps. They're trying to trap me in something. They're always looking for something to try and trap me in and accuse me of that they can take me down. My soul is bowed down. He says, it's just beat me down. It's caused my heart to stoop. When you've got people accusing you and accusing you and accusing you and coming at you and beating you down, your heart begins to stoop. And I see ones in this room that have had to fight that battle and they're acknowledging it. So how do you stand like David? See, David, even King David, his heart began to, he's beaten down. They've beat me down. They have digged a pit before me into the midst thereof they are falling themselves, Selah. They're going to fall in that pit. They want to dig a pit for me, a faithful servant of yours, then they're going to fall in it. Know how to pray. Know what to ask God to do. They want to snare the people of God, then let them be caught in that snare. They want to defile the righteous, let it turn on them. That's what David's saying here. Know how to pray. And also you'll know how to gra grab a hold of the, the host of glory and set them sailing out there to do the bidding that you set them out there to do the bidding of God and fight the battle. That's another message. We'll get to it one day soon or already have, but just keep doing it. All right. All right. They're going to fall in it themselves. Selah, so be it. Stamp. They're going to do it. Here's David. My heart is fixed. Determine this day to fix your heart like King David did. 
Fix your heart. Don't let anything move you from God. Oh God, my heart is fixed. Do you see how he, he validated it twice? I'm fixed. I'm fixed. I will not be moved. I've seen that. I've seen ones whose heart are fixed and it doesn't matter who's in their way. They'll walk right over top of them if they want to fall along the way and just keep going. Just keep right on going. My heart is fixed. Here's what David said he'll do. I will sing and give praise. So here he is. He's been beaten down. He's hiding for his life. He's calling out to God. And then he says, well, I'm not going to be moved. And I'm going to sing and praise. He's not sitting there going, poor me. It's all on God's life. No. He says, no, my heart is fixed. He girds himself knowing who and what God is. And he says, I'm going to stick with you and I'm going to sing your praises. Mm -hmm. I'm going to sing and give praise. And then he says, awake, my glory, awake, Psalms three and harp. I myself will awake early. See, now he's waking up glory and he says, I'm going to wake up too. See, if you feel stooped, just say, I'm going to wake. I'm going to shout. I'm going to cry. Anybody gone on those walks and you start out all beat down and by the time you're done, you're feeling pretty mighty good. You know why? Because you know you kicked some butt and you got a hold of God. God heard you. You praised him. You glorified him. And there you go. You're going arm in arm and you are armed because you, you loosed God on it. And God will meet you and he will take care of it. And he says, I myself will awake early. I will praise thee. O Lord, among the people, I will sing unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great unto the heavens and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. Now, I, I just noted over in, um, when I was researching and cross-referencing scripture, over in Nahum 1. Nahum 1, it's a wonderful um, passage to read. I have a 1 to, to 15. But I'm going to just read a couple scriptures out of that passageway so we can move on to see the other end with David, when David finally becomes king. So here he is. He's in that process. He's been anointed king. Now he's having to hide for his life. He's having to steady his feet. He knows how to get a hold of God. He's being taught how to really stand and win. All right. So uh, over in Nahum 1, I'm going to go to verse 7. And the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knoweth them that trust in him. See, David found this out when he was out being worked in these ways. Having to muster and how to stand no matter what was coming at him. So don't be surprised at the things you go through. It is really going to keep you stronger and stronger and stronger when you know how to gird your soul up regardless of what is coming at you or regardless of what's happening on the face of the earth. You know how to gird yourself up and get yourself um, built up again and take your stance. 
The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust him. That's what he wants. He wants you to trust him. Stand in that trust, he won't, you won't fail. But with an overrunning flood will he make an utter end of the place thereof, and darkness shall pursue his enemies. Do you know that? I marveled at that. What happens? See, now, remember, I, I gave you kind of bullet points on how God lifted his hand off of Saul. Once he lifted his hand off of Saul, Saul didn't have that power anymore. When somebody comes against you or comes against the spirit of God, whether it's in a person, whether it's in a nation, whether it's in a group, when they come against the spirit of God, the hand of God and the anointing of God lifts off of them. And that protective covering of God lifts off of them. And what pursues them then? That's all God has to do. He just has to remove his covering. And he says, I'll make an utter, utter end of the place thereof. You know how I'll do it? I'll just lift my hand off them. And darkness shall pursue his enemies. Darkness is misery, destruction, death, ignorance, sorrow, wickedness, every evil thing. They no longer have that hedge of fire. They no longer have that glorious protection. And all those wicked things are going to start moving in and you're going to see people kind of lose their mind more and 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 more. And make boner mistakes more and more and more and more and more. Dumb mistakes. That's what I mean by that. Stupid mistakes. Stupid choices. And it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And sin, sickness, disease, and every evil thing will overtake them and actually consume them and take them out. God does it in many different ways. In Nahum, that's what he said. I'm going to just let darkness take them over. They'll even start killing each other. They'll start turning on each other. Why? Because they all walk in darkness. Cat fight. Who's going to win here? And they start biting and devouring. Read about human nature. Read about the devil and his tactics. Wow, who would want to be turned over to that? No, thank you. So I can understand why David said, I'm sticking with you. I'm going to stick with you and I'm not going to be moved no matter what they try and do. No matter what happens, I'm going to stick with you. You know, I've, I found that really, really interesting that God will just lift his hand off a soul. So it really behooves every individual to stand fast in the spirit and not be moved no matter what you go through, no matter what affliction comes or what seems to be coming at you. Just stand fast, put your petition before God, acknowledge him, stand in him, and put him to uh, take up the battle for you. And he will do it. Now, 2 Samuel 5, chapter 5, verse 1. Now here's when David comes into being comes into power and becomes king. Now, this took a lot of time. There were things that had to happen. And Saul's regime had to be destroyed and removed. And it did happen. It did happen. There were wars and there was um, just, you know, all those, the darkness came in and it took them out. And it took Saul's family out even Jonathan. So like I said, read, um, read the story. You'll see 
that eventually um, that was put in motion. The hand of God was removed off of Saul and inevitably the end result is that regime was removed. And so 2 Samuel 5 verse 1. Then came all the tribes of Israel to David unto Hebron and spake, saying, Behold, we are thy bone and thy flesh. Now, what would cause a group of people saying, We're your people? We're standing with you. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. What would cause that? That's what they did. They went up to David and they said, we're bone of your bone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And bone and thy, we are thy bone and flesh. We're just, we're part of you. We're standing with you. Why would they do that? Also in time past, see, and this is what they're telling them. This is what convinced us to stand with you. Also in time past, when Saul was king over us, thou wast he that led us out and brought us into Israel. He said, Saul didn't do it for us. You did. You're the one that brought us out. And the Lord said unto thee, thou shalt feed my people Israel, and thou shalt be a captain over Israel. We know God said you should lead us and be a captain over us. You see now how they're acknowledging that God was with him? So all the elders of Israel came to the king to Hebron, and King David made a league with them in Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. Look at how long it took. Look at what it took. It took God. David, he stood fast. He wouldn't be moved. He held his ground. He knew who and what he was before God. He, his heart stayed fastened with the Lord, steadfast, and the people flocked to him. And see, that's what made Saul so crispy. But this is the proof of David, and we're going to go on even more to see David's heart, the heart that God loved. David was 30 years old when he began to reign. Now, he was just a kid when he was anointed, but it took all that time, and he was 30 years old when he reigned, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem, he reigned 30 and three years over all Israel and Judah. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem unto the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land. Okay, now here you're going to see natural reasoning. The natural mind. Here's, here's the devil at play here. So he went over unto the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, the worldly ones, which spake unto David, saying, Except thou take away the blind and the lame, thou shalt not come in hither. Thinking David cannot come in hither, because they knew that no unclean thing could enter into the house of God. And they were full of halt and lame. Blind and lame, which in other words, they didn't see or believe God. They didn't see or believe God. They didn't see. They were blind and lame. That meant that they were drawn off some other direction. They didn't follow the straight path. They were drawn off into sin. 
the blind and the lame. And they knew that David wasn't going to allow sin in his city. So he said, well, you're not going to come in here because you're not going to be with the blind and the lame. Pretty cocky. They figured they had it. You know, he's not going to come in when we tell him that. So what did David do? It didn't, it didn't, um, didn't slow him down at all. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. He just walked in and took it. The same as the city of David. And it became the city of David. God actually gave it to him. And you know what David said? And David said on that day, whosoever getteth up to the gutter, he says, you go up to the gutter and smiteth the Jebusites. You go in and take, stand against them and take them down. Get them out of there. And the lame and the blind that are hated of David's soul. If you go, you stand up to them, you remove them out of their ungodly place, then he shall be chief and captain. I'm going to, I'm going to promote you. I will back you and you'll get, you'll be a chief and a captain. You're going to get those seats. You're going to get those high positions. I'm going to put you in a place of authority. If you go stand up to those and remove them out of their seats that they do not belong in. That's what he told them. Wherefore they said, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. Clean up. Time to clean up. David said, okay, I'm going to take it anyway. And anybody want to come and stand with me and clean them out? Clean the house out? Mm-hmm. So David dwelt in the fort and called it this... Uh, and called it the city of David, and David built roundabout from Milo and inward. You know, that's exactly like it is today. God is saying that today. Will you clean your house out? Will you keep your house clean? Keep your cities clean? Keep your countries clean? Clean house. Stand with me. Remove those things that I hate. And David went on and grew great. And the Lord God of hosts was with him. Obviously, there were ones that actually did what David asked them to do. They rose up and they did. They stood with him and they cleaned up. They cleaned house and they grew. And David went on and grew great. And the Lord God of hosts was with him. Him. Now that's the key. You want that to be where the Lord God of hosts is. You assure that he's with you. You establish him. You let him know, I'm not going to leave you. I'm standing straight and I will sing your praises. And you will fight for me. Know who and what you are and know who and what God is. And stand straight and steadfast on that. David wasn't puffed up. He knew where his strength came from. And Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. You know, we've seen that happen, where the people of God will gather together and they will build a house to house the anointed in whatever form that is. They will house the anointed because they're so glad to have the light of Israel amongst them. What a blessed thing it is.
And David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for his people, Israel's sake. There you have it in a nutshell, right there. There's David's heart. He didn't say, oh, they built this house for me because I'm so great. That's Saul. He said, no, no. He exalted his kingdom for his people, Israel's sake, because of you. God built me this house because of you. God has, has given me this because of you, because of how much he loves you. I've heard that many times going into the ministry and when my husband and I took up caring for the flock, the precious flock of God from an apostle we'd hear, just remember, it isn't about you, it's about them. And I know that every time I come to sit before you, I know it isn't me that's giving you anything. It is God the Father giving it to you because he loves you. It comes from him and it is for your sakes. It's not to make a name for anybody. No way. It's for your sake. It's, a, it's an amazing and wonderful and magnificent thing. And there's David's heart. There's King David's heart. And the people knew that he did this for them. Not because he was going to get anything, and he did get benefits, because the labor is worthy of his hire, and those that work well and serve well in the Lord and have labored much, they're worthy of double honor. And he said, he's done this for your sakes. And that's how you keep your balance. And that's how you know when they're real. And that's how you know when they're true, when they're doing it for you, even at the, their own loss. They suffer loss. But for you, for your sakes. Mm -hmm. Now let's go down to verse 17. But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David. Oh, here they come. And David heard of it and went down to the hold. Okay, he's going to get himself together. And the Philistines came also and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord. There you go. Remember that pattern he learned in the cave? All right, they're coming for him. The army's rising up and they're coming for him. So what does he do? He goes down in the hold. And what does he do? He inquires of the Lord. That's what you do. When they try and assault you, when things come upon the earth and it's coming your direction, or you see these things happening, go into the hold and inquire of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Saying, shall I go up to the Philistines? Should I go out and fight them? Wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? Are you going to deliver them into my hand? Because David knew where the power came from. Smart man. He knew where the power came from. And the Lord said unto David, go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. I will deliver them into thine hand. So you just go up and do it. And David came to Baal Perazim, and David smote them there and said, the Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore, he called the name of that place Baal 
Perizim. And there they left their images. So they were defeated and they left all their images, all their idols, all of their junk. And David and his men burned them. Get rid of their statues, their idols, all of their wickedness. Remove it. Destroy it. Get rid of it. There are ones today that are trying to do that to God and get take down all the images that exalt God. Reverse that, Lord. Reverse that, Lord. So that's good prayer. God, God you reverse that. Because here he says you take down their idols, whatever they be, you take them down. Mm-hmm. And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So there they are coming again. They are relentless. They don't give up. They're stubborn. And they just keep coming back. So do you think God just repeated the same thing? You just get, you only have to go to God one time and he's going to do the same thing over and over and over and over again? No. Watch what David does. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up. The Lord said, this time you're not going to go up. Don't go up. But fetch a compass behind them. Just circle around behind them. See, God is not stuck in a rut. God is an interactive God, and he wants you interacting with him all the time. That's why he's not going to just say one blanket statement, and you do it this way, and you always do it. No, you go inquire of him, and each situation, he will give you a sure answer. He will tell you exactly what you should do. He will. So David inquired, and he said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them, and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. He says, You go over against those mulberry trees there. <laughs> Watch what I'm going to do. But see, there's where God loved David. David didn't run headlong arrogantly in his own way. He would stop. He would get quiet. He would inquire the Lord. And not only would he inquire, he would listen. And not only would he listen, he would do exactly what the Lord told him to do. He was obedient. He didn't kind of put his own spin on it for his own advantage. To get stuff for himself, like Saul did. He did exactly what God did, told him to do. He was a marvelous strategist. Why? Because he let God do the strategy. And he listened and he did it. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, go to the mulberry trees and let it be when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. Well, that's absolute genius. He says, you go hide behind those, those mulberry trees. And then all of a sudden I'm going to send a wind in there and it's going to sound like this great big, huge army is coming at them. Could you imagine the noise? It would sound like they're all running through the trees and this huge army is coming and they're just going to panic. God's used that one before. Just listen to God and see what, what he's going to do. He says, you go there and once you hear that noise, then go on in. And David did so as the Lord had commanded him and smote the Phil Philistines from Geba until thou come to Gezer. He got the end result that he wanted. He did exactly what God asked him to do. I want you to know 
each and every one of you, when you serve God, when you love him with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul, and you have an active, interactive communication with him, when you know your God, you get before him like King David did. It's a one-on-one, -on -one, and you inquire of him, you listen to him, and you obey him. When he tells you to do something, you just do it, and he will back you up. And when he tells you to hide, you hide. When he tells you to go out and fight, you fight. When he tells you to go around here, here's your strategy. When he tells you to go out to fight, he will give you the strategy. And you will win. You will win. I know somebody right now. I'm going to boast on somebody right now. Little gal. Sweet little gal. She was at a job. And she was very critical at this job. A very critical operating person at this job. And she did quite often. They abused her. She would do the work of two and three people because they couldn't keep people hired. So they would just dump it on her and sometimes they would replace them and sometimes they wouldn't. And then all these mandates came in and they said, well, if you don't do what we've required you to do, we're going to put you on unpaid leave. And she said, well, your mandate that you're asking me to do, it goes against my Christian principles. It goes against everything I believe, and it's an assault to my freedom as an individual. It's a, an assault to my freedom. And they said, nope, nope, nope. And so there were a group of them. They stood up and they said, no, we're not going to do this. And sure enough, the boss wouldn't even come in and confront her. He was so embarrassed, he sent his flunkies to go tell him, nope. That's it. You're on unpaid leave. You're not fired, though, so they couldn't get sued. But you're on unpaid leave. Okay. Went home, smiling all the time, because who was with her? God was with her. Took a rest for two days. Put her resume together. Conferring with the Lord. Lord, how should I line this out? And sent it out, and she got so many opportunities back. I mean, she just got a flood of opportunities and interviews. And then she says, well, I'm going to wait on just a couple more. I'm going to pick the best one. So she's sitting back there. She's going to go out and look at another one. And she's going to pick and choose which one the Lord God tells her to take. Those other ones, those ones that told her, Oh, no, no, we're going to try and strong arm you into doing what we want you to do. Now, in her circumstance, this was the thing to do. And if you band and lock arms together, they just lost their workforce. They didn't just shoot themselves in the foot. They shot themselves in the head. That was a killer shot. Because they took a shot at the Lord and they took a shot at the people that God loves and they took a shot at the freedoms that God gave people. It's not going to bode well. No. So where's the power? Where's the authority? Well, I'm going to um, give you a final word on this one. And yea, saith the Lord unto my people this day, I am even happy with thee, I am even proud of thee, for thou hast commanded me to do what I know I already have to do and have done in the past and will do for thee in the future.
But today is now. I am now the Lord thy God, who doth deliver thee from all evil, all sickness, sin, and disease, and all oppression. Yea, even watch my smoke and feel my fire. For I am with thee to deliver, and not just thee, but all those that thou dost pray for. So even pray righteous prayers for the righteous and those that would be. For they shall come up as thou hast from the depths and have now been set free. For thou art free indeed from my word which hath gone out from the beginning of time hath set you free. And there are many, many like you out there who I am talking to this day. And watch my word be made manifest. For I am God. There is no other God beside me. My son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who I sent to deliver thee and who is the mediator between me and thou, yea, he doth even cry night and day for deliverance of the people called, chosen, faithful, and elect my true saints in this and on this earth. Yea, they even cry night, who even cry night and day to be delivered. And am I not the deliverer? Do I not now save? Is not my word true? And is my arm shortened that it cannot save? Yea, it is not shortened for thee, but even is lengthened. And I have even given thee length of days, but only to my people, not the enemy. For they will be destroyed and right quickly. For I am the Lord thy God. And what you just heard was prophecy. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. That was incredible, the strength and power in that. And that is God Almighty, as you heard, speaking through a uniquely anointed and chosen vessel. So bless God. He is able to save. He is the great deliverer. You know, I heard a story of a Yazidi man in Iraq who... Um, found Jesus Christ and ISIS was trying to convert him to Islam and he wouldn't do it. He stu stood strong on the Lord and they poured, he, he reported that they poured ga kerosene on him, gallons of kerosene on him. And he said, they tried to burn me, but I wouldn't burn. That is the God we serve. God is moving in ways that we got to make sure we keep up. So let's stay full, let's stay strong, let's stay in our word. Let's make sure that we're each doing our part before the Lord in our own unique personality, in our own unique way, and watch how God comes through in miraculous ways. It's such an incredible time to be alive. Well, I hope this show blessed you. I hope it gave you that strength and courage to move forward in your own life. 
as God shows you to do so. And if you need anything from us, if you have any questions, if you'd like to reach out, please do so at getyourloveon.org. We have a contact tab. We also have some incredible Bible studies if you'd like to know more about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to know more about water baptism or or things like tithing, things like um, evil spirits and knowing how to be an overcomer. All those Bible studies are at getyourloveon.org, available for free download in PDF version. So you just download it and then you can go through the scriptures on your own time and just see what the Lord shows you when you're spending that time with him. We love you so much. Of course, uh, next week we'll have a new episode for you. But in the meantime, Lord bless you. Right, right. Keep your love on, 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 on. Don't let it die, don't let it die, don't let it die, no, no. It's a simple message, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. I keep my love on. If I were you And I'm a simple singer But my heart and mind are strong I keep my love on Yes I do You must dream in color Ask your questions Cause life does not give honorable mentions Thinking more than two dimensions In case your tightrope loses tension I'll be here if ever you need a friend you know I will And I'll be here too To lend a friendly hand So you, so you Can keep your love on time Let it shine bright Bright, bright Keep my love on, 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 on Don't let it die, don't let don't let it die, let me tell you why right now Don't let it die, let me tell you why right now